Hello everybody, this is Mike Ghetto and Steve Carpenter from Yakima Chief Hop Union. Uh, today is our seventh episode of our podcast, Beer, Baseball, and Binds. We're very excited today to have our special guest, Jim Cook from Boston Beer Company, on with us today. Jim, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Jim, we've got your uh, Sam 76. We're three hours behind you, and so uh, we're pretending we're on the East Coast so we can make sure we're drinking uh, after 12 <laughs> o'clock, but this is a great beer to, to start out the day. Me, I've got Boston Lager in front of me, and uh, then I'm one beer ahead of you. <laughs> Tell me, Jim, this Sam 76, is it a lager or an ale? Um, it is both. Um, it's uh, the I think the first time that I've seen um, when a brewer has actually used both yeast strains um, in this sort of symbiotic tag team fermentation. So it's, uh, we all in the brewing world, we always try to put things in, you know, neat little boxes. And um, at, at Boston Beer Company, we're always trying to get out of those boxes. So Sam 76 is sort of a fusion of both a lager fermentation and an ale fermentation. What hops do you have in it, uh, Jim? Um, we've got almost all uh, American hops. So, you know, that's uh, kind of the, the normal range of the new hops that uh, you guys have introduced in the last 15 years. And those, uh, we're trying to pull out some of the more, uh, you know, juicy uh, orange fruit aromatics that, uh, you know, you get from um, Mosaic is, is the primary one, but you've got, you know, like Cascade, and you've also got uh, some elements from, like, Citra in there. That's, yep. It's really a refreshing beer. We, we can see why it's just taken off so well. I mean, that one and your uh, your New England IPA uh, are, I guess, really doing really well for you so far uh, since you've launched these two beers, correct? Um, yes. Uh, we've been very uh, excited by the reception, um, particularly because, you know, again, they are uh, both sort of uh, new to drinkers. Uh, the Sam 76 is just something that uh, hasn't existed before. Nobody's made uh, a beer like Sam 76. So uh, that part is, we're really excited that drinkers like that. Um, the New England IPA, you know, is a style that's existed here in New England. Um, and, and But it's kind of like a unicorn. You know, nobody really uh, knows... <laughs> I mean, people, everybody knows about it. Everybody hears it. It's very buzzed over, but you can't get it because historically it's just been made by a small number of brewers that had a very, very, very short shelf life, like two weeks to four weeks, which kind of meant, you know, you, you could get it at the brewery, but that was it. And uh, for over a year we worked on, all right, how do we, you know, get uh, enough of a, uh, stability to this so that it's not breaking down in two or four weeks. How do we preserve both the physical stability and the aromatic stability so that we can deliver uh, to a, you know, a drinker in Yakima the taste that they would get if they came to our brewery in Boston and drank it, you know, right off of the draft line. 
It's a unique beer, Jim, and, and very refreshing. I, I think you've nailed it. This is, uh, I, I think, my idea of a summer ale, and, and it's got just enough. I prefer a hop-forward beer, and it's got just enough hoppiness in it that uh, I can see myself drinking this all summer. Yeah, the, the Sam 76 is uh, a, a unique beer in that it's got the, you know, uh, the, the taste and the hop character of an ale up mm-hmm. front. I mean, if you just have the first couple of seconds, you think you're drinking uh, an IPA uh, or a pale ale, and then it, it gets that lager back in where it finishes almost immaculately clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, we were able to do that with, uh, the hop varieties that we get from you and other uh, people out in the Northwest, the Cascade, the Citra, the Simcoe, and the Mosaic, um, they deliver that big, aromatic, juicy, um, you know, hop aroma, uh, which carries into the taste, but uh, it finishes with almost no bitterness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as hoppy as it tastes up front, it's only got 12 BUs. And essentially, the, the, the revelation or the thought process that, um, that goes into it um, is a little different than most beer drinkers think about with hops. I mean, when beer drinkers think about hops, they fixate on IBUs as, uh, you know, the, the metric of how hoppy is this beer. And as you guys know, um, that's a really kind of dumb way to look at it. Because, you know, the, the hop cone brings much more uh, to the flavor than the IBUs. So we kind of deconstructed the hop. Because uh, in the hop, in terms of flavor delivery, yes, you've got, you know, BUs. Um, but you've got two other components which are equally important and less talked about. And the, the second is there are... A lot of, you know, non-alpha uh, acid mm-hmm. flavors that come from hops. Sure. You know, there's uh, polyphenols, there's glucosides, there's some of those, the sort of, well, there's tannin-type things, there's uh, even some of the sort of the, the plant material. Um, so there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes with hops that's not bitterness but it's hop character, and it's very interesting. And then the third element of hops is the aromatics. And what we were able to do with SAM 76 is deconstruct the hops and say, okay, we want a little bit of bitterness, um, but we want a huge aromatic, and we want a pretty good dose of those non-bitter hop flavors and tastes. And that really hasn't been done before. You know, we've un- uncoupled uh, the different hop flavors and maximized them in a unique new way. Well, you've really hit it. And in one of, uh, I had the pleasure of meeting you for the first time this past harvest uh, out at the Peralt Farm as you were going through selection. And one of my most memorable moments during harvest and selection was seeing you really engaged in that process 
with your team and uh you're a clean shaven guy but you got right into the hops and as you came up you had a green beard from uh from from the hops and uh that's that still sticks in my memory oh uh, yeah well you know uh, i mean i have yeah, when I go, I do the same thing in Germany. Of course, the farms are much smaller, so you literally have to go through hundreds of lots of you know different growers to select the best ones. And uh, as you know, when you're doing selection, you do that that rub, and so you're getting this buildup of lupulin on your palms, and then you've got to go, you know, wash it off. Uh, and to get it off, you have to use that grit. Yep. Gritty soap, you know, yep. you can't just, you know, use Dove cleansing cream or something. <laughs> and uh, there was one uh, one year when I was doing selection, and we had so many lots to go through that I ended up rubbing the skin off my palm. Oh, boy. By the time I left to go home, yeah. uh, I was bleeding from my palm. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and when you get uh, alpha acids in a cut, it stings. Yeah. <laughs> that, it, that was not a fun thing, but you know, you got to do what you have to do for hops. Well, my, uh, I, I moved uh, from, I grew up in Minnesota, I moved to Connecticut in 1987, and, and that was my first time of having a really good beer, and that was your Samuel Adams, and I still remember that, uh, you know, and I you'd, it just started a few years ago, but my introduction to craft beer was Sam Adams, and uh, Thank you so much for that. I, you know, it's obviously quite different from those times to today. Um, but one of the things that we're really excited to talk to you about is um, your sponsorship of, of Boston Beer and the Samuel Adams brand at Fenway Park. Uh, that's just wonderful Wonderful to see that big Samuel Adams sign out in right field. Uh, tell us how that came about, Jim. Maybe tell us a little bit about back in those very early days. Did you think you'd ever get to the point where uh, you would be the official sponsor of the Boston Red Sox? <laughs> to answer your question, no, I never, ever <laughs> dreamed about that when I started. You get, and you got to remember, I started Sam Adams in 1984. That was before uh, there was uh, a craft brewing industry. That, in fact, that was before the term craft beer uh, had even been invented. I mean, there were just a handful of us. Almost nobody survived from... Uh, those early days, I think just me and Ken Grossman are, you know, still uh, mm -hmm. around from the beginning uh, and still running our companies. Uh, so back then, you know, I had this big dream for Boston Beer Company. My dream was that in five years we would grow all the way to 5,000 barrels. Uh, <laughs> that was going to be about eight people with a little over a million dollars in revenue, and I could pay myself $75,000 a year. I was excited about that. That was, you know, my dream. So the idea of, of, you know, being able to develop a partnership with the Red Sox was not even uh, on the farthest reaches of my radar screen. Um, but, you know, 34 years later, um, well, last season, I guess their, their arrangement with Anheuser-Busch uh, was coming up for renewal, and, um, you know, thankfully, they called us and said, you know, we'd really like to talk to you guys. We think Sam Adams is a great fit for the Boston Red Sox. You're, you know, uh, a, an icon here uh, in New England, and 
uh, you know, around the country. And, and the Red Sox are certainly a New England icon and, and a favorite of fans in lots of other stadiums. Uh, would you consider, you know, being our beer? And so we talked about it. Um, we, we bounced a lot of ideas off of them. Um, and, you know, when it came time to pick uh, their partner, they decided that they would go with uh, an, another Boston, New England brand instead of uh, our friends at Anheuser-Busch. And I was really, you know, grateful that they saw uh, Sam Adams as being just the, the perfect partner for them. So we have a, an eight-year deal with them because I, I mean, we don't know how to do this stuff. We've never done this kind of partnership at this level. It's the first craft beer that's ever, you know, uh, been a sponsor of exactly. a Major League Baseball team. So this is all new ground, but we figured if we got eight years, maybe eventually we'll figure it out. Jim, I don't know if you remember 1967, but that was the impossible dream season for the Red Sox. And it seems. Oh, I remember it well because that's the year that I came from Cincinnati to Boston okay. to go to school. Yeah. And, you know, I was a big Cincinnati Reds fan growing up, and luckily they're a National League team, so I can uh, maintain that loyalty, though it's increasingly frustrating. Cause I don't think they've <laughs> this year, you know, yeah. really had a great team since <laughs> the early 90s. Um, but I came here, and, of course, I came in the fall, and it was the excitement of that season. Uh, and, you know, they won the pennant, um, and they hadn't done that for so long, but they had Carl Yastrzemski, uh, and it was just a, a very, very exciting time to be here as a baseball fan in Boston. Um, so I, I, that was my introduction, was the Impossible Dreams season. Well, it's and, got it. and being the sponsor was my Impossible Dream. There you go. Uh, and 50 years later, uh, it happened. Yeah. It's just amazing, and I consider kind of the craft beer movement and baseball two very uniquely American things, and uh, yes. it's it's so cool to see uh, uh, the success story of Boston beer, and and uh, now you've matched up with the the uh, Boston Red Sox, uh, and yeah, that 1967 and year. Now that they got the Sam Adams sign up there, I mean the Red Sox had the best start of their season right. in the 118-year history right. of the Red Sox. Yeah. 117 seasons. It wasn't until they got the Sam Adams sign-up <laughs> in Fenway yeah. that they had the best start ever. And they're they're going to need a little magic to fend off those uh, dastardly Yankees, though. Those guys are playing some pretty good baseball right now. Uh, well, we need that magic every year. The Yankees, <laughs> yeah. uh, they're the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, we're kind of always the underdog against the Yankees. Yeah. But that's part of being the the rebel, right? I mean, that's the whole Samuel Adams uh, uh, motto is to be that revolutionary. And, and, again, what you guys have done from the very beginning, what, what was it like, you know, back again when you were first starting going, you know, I think you, you said go door to door with your briefcase full of your samples and trying to convince uh, – uh, bars or tap rooms or, or whoever to, to buy your beer and, and say, hey, we've got more quality product in this. It's worth a little bit more. It's a little bit more expensive, but try it, taste it, and it's worth it. Uh, what were those days like as you were doing that in Boston? Well, it wasn't easy. 
you know, when I started, like I said, there was no craft beer thing. Nobody, you know, I had to uh, you just change people's whole mindset about beer. You know, this was 1984. The basic landscape of beer in the U.S. is you had your mass-produced uh, domestic beers that, you know, were, are very high quality for what they are. They're not trying to be great, rich, flavorful beers. They're just trying to, you know, be refreshing and drinkable um, and something that can be, you know, it, it can be a mass market product, so it's good for kind of every taste. And um, when I started Sam Adams, I w was going an another way with a domestic beer. And, and back then, everybody thought that if you wanted a good beer, you had to drink an import, mm. that an American mm -hmm. brewers couldn't make beer at the quality level of the European. And so I had all these prejudices and preconceptions that I had to blow away. And, you know, it took time. I mean, this is 34 years mm -hmm. that I've been making Sam Adams, and we're, you know, after 34 years of busting my ass, we're, uh, you know, 1% of the U.S. beer market. Mm -hmm. uh, 34 years, that's my <laughs> life's work to be 1%. But that's a powerful uh, so, 1%. That's a very powerful 1%. Well, that's 1%. exactly, you know, it's the, the, I wanted to create a beer revolution the way Samuel Adams, the brewer and patriot, had created a political revolution. And so while we may only be 1%, uh, we have had a much more uh, powerful and profound impact than that 1% would indicate. Absolutely. So possibly yeah. be small but mighty. Yeah, absolutely. And now I, you're you've you now f um, are opening up a, a, a broader footprint in, in Cincinnati, right, with a tap room and, and expanding your tap rooms in Boston as well. So this is kind of another evolution uh, for Boston beer. Is that correct? Yes, it's certainly a change. And I, again, you know, I can't claim uh, to be uh, revolutionary in tap rooms. Other people have done it. We did our first one in Philadelphia in 1992. It was uh, the Sam Adams Brew House in uh, downtown Philadelphia. And frankly, we were ahead of our time then, as, as we've been with other things as well. Um, and I, I'd also have to say, you know, we know how to make beer. We're good at selecting hops and brewing great beers and innovating there. I don't know how to run a tap room. We're not good at running stuff like that. So, you know, we're really, in some ways, following others and learning uh, how to create a really great Sam Adams experience over the bar. But you're doing, you know, to, there's there's obviously lots of stories all the time about different aspects of craft, and one of them is there's always something new and fresh. But you have gone through uh, a continuous, um, not reinvention, but a continuous refinement of who you are, and Sam 76 is part of it. Uh, the NEIPA is part of it. You obviously have expanded in, in a number of other ways. The tap rooms are just part of it. You're not uh, sitting back in any way uh, resting on your laurels, and I think that's uh, – a great, uh, again, a great uh, example for other brewers and craft brewers around the country. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, craft brewing has so much energy um, and creativity. And frankly, you know, I get bored. Uh, you know, I want to do new stuff. I, I mean, I've been doing this for 34 years. Uh, I got to get excited to keep doing it. You know, at this point, I don't have anything to prove. I don't need more money. I, I want to get up every day 
and do something that excites me, that I'm passionate about. Um, and after 34 years of craft brewing, you know, uh, Monday night comes around. I can't wait for Monday morning. <laughs> yep. I'm thrilled to get back to work. I know it sounds sick, um, <laughs> I but when you have a job like mine, <laughs> yep. you know, you, you just love it and you want to show up for work. Well, there, there's two other things that you're doing that are also uh, quite dear and near to us, and I think many people in in, in craft. And those are your those are your two um, actions involved with the community: your American Dream and Brewing program and your Business Experience Ship program. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I think that is again what what really is a big part of what makes uh, the U.S. craft industry so unique. Yes, um, and I, I agree with that. It's sort of you know, came out of something we did uh, in 2008 that you would be very familiar with because uh, in 2008 there was this horrible uh, hop shortage, once in a century level of, of hop shortage, you know, big crop failures in Europe and, you know, uh, under delivery in the United States as well. And, you know, I mean, my family's been... Uh, you know, making beer for our, oh, 175 years, I guess, at this point. And so uh, my dad was a brewmaster, my grandfather. So, uh, you know, it was in my blood to know that, you know, hops are a crop. And there's good years and bad years, and then there's occasional sort of major crop failures. And so we've always, you know, contracted with uh, our hop growers like Yakima Chief, um, because, you know, we want to, you, know, uh, you know, commit to you that we're going to buy hops so that you have the confidence to, you know, spend all the money that you do putting in trellises and, you know, buying picking equipment and kilting equipment. I mean, you need a partner that uh, is going to give you a financial commitment. So, you know, you're, you guys are farmers in a way, and you got to put a lot of money into your land and your equipment, right. and you need a reliable customer. Right. So we've always tried to be that reliable customer, and part of that is, you know, we keep a buffer inventory because we know that you're not going to be able to deliver any more than Mother Nature allows you to deliver. Right. And so we've, we've always an, we anticipate these kinds of years, uh, and hopefully are a good uh, partner to you so that you can get through them. And so we had, in that hop shortage, we had enough of an inventory. And we looked at our inventory and we said, you know, I think we can share some of our hops. So uh, we put out uh, a message uh, on the BA forum and in uh, publications and so forth that, that other brewers would know. And we said, you know, if you really, really need hops, um, we will sell you uh, our hops at our cost, which at the time was like $5, and the market price was like $20. And there were a lot of small brewers just starting up who couldn't get hops at any price. So we were able to share our hops with uh, somewhere a little, somewhere between 250 and 300 other brewers who couldn't get any, and some of them, you know, couldn't even start their breweries up, couldn't start brewing because they couldn't get hops. Others were going to have to change their recipes, so we were able to, 
you know, set an example in craft brewing that is very striking. You know, usually people are so competitive and like, hey, I got the, the ingredients and, and all these hundreds of other brewers can't, and they're going to go out of business. Great for me. Well, we took a different approach, and that was kind of the foundation of the Brewing American Dream program. It's how do we reach out and help, you know, other small businesses like us? Because, you know, even though Sam has been quite successful, like I said, we're 1% of the U.S. beer market, and we all, all of us as craft brewers, whether we're Sam Adams or, you know, the latest zip code brewery that just started up in a 1,000 square feet, um, we're all small compared to the big guys, and we need to stick together and help each other. So Brewing the American Dream applies that approach, not just to brewing, but other small businesses in food, beverage, and hospitality. It has two components. One of them is uh, we call it speed coaching, but it's coaching and counseling around the nuts and bolts of starting up and operating a, a successful small business. And the other is uh, loan money through our partners, Axion USA, which is uh, the biggest micro lender uh, in the United States. And so we lend to startup businesses um, money so that they uh, can get their business up and running and also to businesses that have been you know, running for a few years but need uh, a loan, and the loans uh, go anywhere from $1,000 to $25,000. So we uh, have loans for businesses to kind of get to the next level. You know, they've got their little business, they've got three employees, and if they get a $10,000 loan, they can hire two more employees and get to five uh, and expand their business and create economic development in their neighborhood. So that's the essence of the program is helping uh, other small businesses. And I think we've uh, given coaching and counseling over the last 10 years to about 8,000 different businesses and provided about $24 million worth of loans to uh, about 1,600, 1,700 uh, small businesses that have been able to take the money and, and, and grow. That's a, that's a great story, uh, Jim. Uh, and again, that's really the spirit of Sam, if you will. Sam 76. I mean, and just well, it's a, the spirit of craft brewing. And too. the spirit of craft brewing. But uh, no, that's why you guys, uh, you certainly, uh, you're like Jose Altuve. You, uh, you hit far above your height and your weight. And, uh, you know, it, it really is a, is a great, uh, great thing that you guys are doing there. Uh, Jim, thank th you. Th thank you so much for uh, for taking time to speak with us. Uh, it's been a real pleasure and an honor to to hear from you. Uh, we really look forward to seeing you again during the fall when we have our selection process, and uh, and we hope uh, it's a good growing season. We have some great quality hops for you and your team to come out and select. But uh, always, always, uh, it's always been a great uh, honor and pleasure for us to do business with you, but also really mo more on a personal level to be part of the craft community with you. We uh, you know, we, we very much well, feel just, part of that. I just want to make you guys proud with uh, with what I'm doing with your hops. So I hope you know that your hops have a happy home in Sam 76 and all our other beers. So, so to sign off, Jim, uh, as usual, to use a baseball term, we wish you nothing but good hops. Ah, 
<laughs> well, as Joe Nuxall, uh, the broadcaster for the Cincinnati Reds, who uh, I think he was the youngest pitcher uh, ever. He started pitching at 15. 15 and, even. And yeah. uh, his career went another 70 years with the Reds. But uh, I think he said this is the old left-hander uh, rounding third and heading for home. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers to you. Thank you so much, Jim. Bye-bye. Well, Steve, uh, that was great, huh? Yeah, always good to have Jim on. He's always entertaining, had a couple meals with him, with him while he was out here, and uh, just a great guy. Yeah, no. and uh, it's an exciting, it's going to be an exciting year watching the Red Sox and the Yankees. I mean, my, you know, those freaking Yankees, but they're 17-1 and one in their last 18 games, and they're putting on a show, and over it last night they uh, – as you said, leapt into first place over the Red Sox. Driving another fantastic year. Yeah, those two teams in the East are going to be tough. Uh, I feel bad for the Blue Jays. Yeah. Not real bad because we <laughs> we're playing them today, but uh, I, I feel bad that they're not going to be able to keep up with those two teams. Giancarlo Stanton is just starting to hit the ball. Yeah. And uh, him combined with uh, Judge, Judge and, yeah. and that young core that they have. They've got some. It's a young team. Yep. We were talking uh, sometime before about how this this is the first time in probably 20 years the Yankees have a really good young team that's going to stay together as a core since uh, those days uh, days with uh, Jeter and, and so on. But the the Red Sox have a great team too. I mean they've got a very good young core as well. This this could be a uh, a rivalry that goes on for several years between those two. And obviously they're in in markets with uh, a lot of uh, potential for payroll adjustments at, uh, during the course of the year or, or free agency. I mean, imagine what's going to happen at the end of this year uh, in free agency when you've guys got guys like Bryce Harper off there and, and, and Manny Machado and a few others. Uh, yeah. Yankees and Red Sox, that's going to be a tough one to beat for a while. I can imagine that Aaron Boone managing the uh, Yankees are already sizing up Harper for pinstripes. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. But Left-hander in that, in that uh, stadium. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. tailor-made for, uh, for Yankee Stadium. And, and the Red Sox, too. I mean, the, both these teams not only have uh, young cores, but they've got uh, good, young, progressive managers, mm -hmm. Aaron Boone and Alex Cora yep. over in Boston. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, unfortunate for the rest of the American League, specifically the Mariners and Twins. Yeah. But, uh, it'll be fun to watch <laughs> thank that rivalry. Thank goodness we're not on the East Coast <laughs> is all I can say for the Twins and the Mariners. So. Yeah. Well, Steve, that was a good conversation. Uh, I think next week we'll talk a little bit more about hops and what's going on. And uh, But uh, it was so great to get Jim on, and uh, we wanted to spend the time talking with him. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. As, as usual, if you've got comments or questions, uh, anything we can do better or differently, please let us know. Otherwise, we'll see you next time.